0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. I'll be talking to thought leaders and practitioners in and around product management to help you build the right products and build them right. If that sounds epic to you, then let's put all the rest of my episodes on your backlog. After this episode, you can head over to onenightinproduct.com where you can sign up to the mailing list, subscribe on your favourite podcast app or follow the podcast on your favourite social media platform and guarantee you never miss another episode again. On tonight's episode, we talk about how shock horror Jira isn't the best tool to manage product development in. And in my next episode, we'll make the same claim, heresy. We'll talk about some of the problems with managing workflows with a bug tracking tool, how we need our tools to help us work in a more empowered way, and some of the barriers you can find when people are actively trying to stop you doing that. We also imagine a wonderful world of creating product initiatives in the, wait for it, metaverse. For all this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Sigurd Cheteklev. Sigurd's so passionate about product, he's constantly signing up to other peoples and checking them out to see if they're any good, so I'm sure if you look closely, you'll see him in a user list near you. Sigurd loves to get into the messy bits of product management, has done that in a variety of roles over the years before getting bored cleaning bits of Jira off of himself and starting his own company to do things better with Y Combinator-backed KiteMaker, a platform that promises to be a faster, and more engaging way to empower your team. I'm assuming that means it comes with some kind of cattle prod to scale off micromanagers. Hi Sigurd, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm awesome. Thank you for having me and Jason. No problems. Good to have you here. So first things first, you are the founder and CEO of KiteMaker. So what problem does KiteMaker solve for me?
1: Yeah, so I'm actually one of two founders of KiteMaker. So we're Oh, uh, you're a co-founder, okay. I'm a co-founder, as it's called. So what problems it solved for you depends on who you are. But uh, What we experience and what we have seen in the hundreds of teams we have interviewed is that there's a common problem around sort of the tools we use for managing our product development process or work. Those are usually the project management or issue trackers. And what we saw was first that they don't really engage the teams in a good way. And we often hear that if you're an engineer or designer on a team, you usually don't go into those tools every day. We have the phrase we heard a few times is Jira is the manager's tools. So I don't go, go there until I'm told. <laughs> so I do my work in GitHub and Slack and Visual Studio Code or whatever. The other part is that they are not really built for Modern product development process or a good product development process if you if you want to put it like that, it basically comes from like a project management tool is based around the idea that okay we need to do set of tasks in an in a order and then we're done and the issue trackers were born out of the idea that okay we're actually not sort of this didn't start out with sort of being a product to manage your product development process. they were actually a bug database on the side. Because when you shipped, you wanted to sort of fix all critical bugs, so have no bugs because you shipped it on a CD or something like that. So they're basically very task-based. And we know that great teams and great engineering culture, design culture, product management culture is autonomous teams focusing on solving things for the customers. It means that the team has to understand the context of why they're building things. They're more than just writing code or designing nice screens. and. How we often do that process today is that we actually split the product development process between a document where you sort of describe the context and maybe you you spec out things and describe things and you collaborate there. And then you have the task in some tool, usually Jira or Trello or whatever. And then you have a communication tool on the side like Slack. And the final problem that we also (laughs) observe, because we're solving a lot of problems here, is that how we work has changed a lot. Over the last 20 years. And when I started working as a developer, the way we communicated was either by email or face to face. And then we got like Google Docs. And so suddenly we can collaborate inside documents. So then we got Slack. And then we can have like a great chat tool to use. And then you got like GitHub and GitLab. So you can collaborate around the code base. Now we have like tools like Figma. And basically you can collaborate inside the design tools. And we, also work more distributed than before so we are relying much more on these tools for communication and there's nothing that stitches this in a meaningful way so like discussions get like siloed we talk to so many teams front end developers not building on the latest design because he missed that discussion happening in Figma because a engineer doesn't go into Figma every day to figure out what discussions happens there so the the other part is actually to stitch all this together and make one tool where you can go and see everything going on that's sort of relevant for you if you're working on a product development team. So you've touched on it there,
0: you're solving quite a few problems, which is kind of the anti-lean startup in a way, right? You've gone big. But how much of that is you integrating with other platforms and trying to bring that data in and kind of present it in a hub versus actually building all that functionality itself?
1: sort of one of the principles we had was that we're not going to replace the tools that are great at what they're doing. So there's a lot of integrations that are towards Slack and Discord, Figma, GitHub, GitLab, and those kinds of tools are, we're not trying to replace them. We're trying to sort of, okay, there is a relevant discussion going on here that's uh, for the thing we're working on, like this bet we're making or this experiment, so if you have that discussion going on in no matter what tool, you just sort of ping that experiment or work at it, as we call them, and that will be visible for the team that works on that experiment, basically. Right. Now, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I
0: guess the question would be then if you're primarily targeting just companies, like anyone that works for companies and trying to get into as many doors as possible, like through the engineering door or the project management door or the product manager door, or if you're primarily focusing sort of, I guess, persona-wise on product teams and trying to bring this to product people?
1: Yeah, so we are focusing on product development teams. Uh, the door in there can be engineer, it can be a decider, it can be the manager. It's usually the manager that sort of decides, have the final word. But in general, uh, you have to appeal to all the whole team basically, uh, and especially in engineering, because they uh, their needs is sort of heavily weighted in a product development tool like this.
0: Do you use Kite Maker to make Kite Maker?
1: Yes, we use Kite Maker to make Kite Maker. <laughs> and we, in Kite Maker, we have designs of Kite Maker. And when we started out, those designs in Kite Maker actually had Kite Maker as an example in the designs. <laughs> so it's like an onion you know, of Kite Maker. Which was totally confusing, so we stopped doing that. Oh, no,
0: that's that, that <laughs> does sound like a, a recursive nightmare. But I'm sure you've managed to uh, to limit that to some yeah. extent. And what's the story behind the name? I mean, obviously I know what a kite is and I know what a maker is, but what's a kite maker in the context of this software?
1: Well, we like the word, and it's sort of <laughs> and it's sort of a bit playful, and it's about maker, and it's sort of. So we like the word uh, more than Zorro. There was a very was not very deep thinking behind, behind the name. Fair enough. As long as it sticks out
0: well in the SEO, I guess it's doing well. And on Twitter, you pinned a tweet that berates Jira, who I presume are one of your main competitors, for saying something along the lines of startups fail because they fail to meet deadlines. I think it's fair to say a lot of product people have their issues with Jira, no pun intended, but... What are some of the biggest problems that you see with Jira these days?
1: So so Jira was made something like almost 20 years ago now, and it was made sort of in an era of debug trackers or issue trackers. So some of the core principles of Jira is that you have one issue that has one assignee, and like many tools in this space sort of is actually built and incentivize you to sort of make a list of all the tasks and follow those up, basically. So that's one core problem of that. And it sort of doesn't capture your product development process. That's why you have Confluence in addition, because that's where you can share your context. But <laughs> that's where you get like Jira portfolio, so you can actually sort of... Uh, yeesh. <laughs> and also, it's uh, Jira is sort of showing its age not only design wise because like one of the common critiques of jira is is that sort of, it's it's hard to sort of navigate if you're not sort of proficient in jira and it's 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 slow so like it's slower <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> than other tools i guess like what what is jira's strength is that it's very customizable so you can sort of force force jira to do more or less what you want <laughs> the challenge with that is that it also makes Jira a very complex tool. Uh, it might require you to do a lot of configuration. We, At one point, we met a startup that were 13 people, and they had one full-time Jira administrator just configuring Jira, which is um, prob- <laughs> oh, probably not something we want to copy. <laughs>
0: But does that mean you're quite opinionated then in your workflow? Like uh, in KiteMaker, are you basically saying this is the kind of KiteMaker way of doing stuff and this is the way you should go? Or do you have some kind of configurability in there as well? Because in the latter situation, you're presumably going to end up in the same situation as Jira if you if your company gets as big as you'd probably want it to, right?
1: KiteMaker is opinionated in some aspect. That's, that's what our customers are quite happy with is that we are Opinionated, not an exact process you're going to have, but we're opinionated in more of a principles. So KiteMaker, you can easily configure. It's easy to change sort of if you if you have steps in your process and you change them, it's very simple. We're focusing on that sort of everything in KiteMaker, sort of atomic unit in KiteMaker is what we call the work item. And the work item is built. To have ample space to describe the context and the background of what you're building and breaking it down into tasks. But you don't follow on the team level the tasks individually, you're following up on the bet or the feature or whatever you're going to ship to your customers. And the other part is that we are sort of building at around the core of being a collaboration tool. So when you open a work item, if this is if you're a designer or engineer, this is where you will have what we call product discussions. The kind of pro- discussions where, okay, what are we going to make? How is it's going to work? Uh, that kind of thing. Now now is this ready? Is that ready? And you also see updates from other tools like Figma and Slack and, and, and GitHub and GitLab. So it becomes like a virtual place where you can see everything going on with this. It's like the metaverse. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a metaverse. <laughs> So uh, we're opinionated in some like basic principles. And we're opinionated, but we're not opinionated if you're going to use Scrum or Cycles or Kanban or something like that. So we we, we sort of support very wide variety of processes. We're more more like these core principles. Okay, you have to, if you're going to share context, if you're going to like work like the best product teams work. If you're, if you're read Empowered by Marty Kagan and you're working like that, you want to work like that, well, we are the we're the tool for you.
0: Well, there you go. You should see if you can get Marty to endorse you in some way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we'll try that.
0: <laughs> there you go. But you just mentioned Scrum and that's a nice segue into a question I'd like to ask around processes. Now, one thing you called out before this interview was that many companies seem to spend all their time concentrating on following a process or saying that they're following a process and ticking the boxes and just kind of going through the motions but they never actually bother to go through and and change their mindset right so like they'll be yeah I'm using scrum fantastic we're not actually getting the results we want because we're not really embracing agility or even really scrum but we are just saying yeah it looks like we do so that's fine or yeah we're still maybe they do something like safe or something like that and it doesn't even look like they're doing it but the point is that these frameworks aren't a magic bullet and they need to change their mindset. So do you think though that I mean changing that mindset is hard right? So yeah. Is it the case that maybe those frameworks that people start using uh kind of like a necessary first step and they kind of change the mindset along the way or do you think they need to put a lot of that mindset work in up front before they even
1: start? I mean changing the mindset and culture is the hard part. If you, if, you, if you are in a company or in a team and if you feel okay, we need to change the way we're working, sort of changing how how we think about our work is really hard. So starting with a framework is good, but it sort of it doesn't stop there. Framework is a start. But I think what you're pointing to is also like frameworks are often come. On the supporting a process where uh, it might require a change of culture and change of thinking in the company, and that's that's really hard, and and that's something that goes gradually. I think the challenge sometimes is is that people sort of okay, we we do OKRs now, so we pat ourselves on the back and we're happy. But like <laughs> your OKRs are are not really outcome focused. They're not sort of measurable. They are maybe like ship feature A, B, and C, because like, well, I know that sort of our bosses, they expect to also <laughs> fe- feature A, B, and C. We're not supposed to sort of fix churn or something like that. So I think that's that's the hard part. But frameworks are good, especially in larger companies, you often have to explain and sell the ID if you're going to change something. And then framework can be a very good way to do that, especially if a well-known person has written a book or something about, about that. <laughs> and what's well, so kind of interesting is more, if you compare that to sort of product development in small startup, if you go to sort of startup school by Y Combinator, they have, so startup school is, is, is a website made by Y Combinator, is basically a school for how to sort of build a startup, focused on sort of the very... Earliest stages of startups where you just like, maybe, the, maybe just the founders trying to figure out something. And they don't talk, they talk directly about the culture because that's when you're just a small team figuring things out. It's easy to define the culture and change it. So they are focused not on OKRs or a model or something like that. They're more like, talk to, like, talk to customer, figure out what they want, ship stuff know that sort of what you're shipping is probably not going to work. So you need to iterate for a long time maybe before you sort of <laughs> you figure things out. So I think maybe it's part of my critique is also like sometimes we forget about those underlying things that sort of the framework is supposed to support. Like opportunity solution trees are wonderful. But if you don't do continuous <laughs> discovery and you just sit in a room and invent your re- sort of based on inventory reality, <laughs> then you're, you use a very good framework, but it's not helping you necessarily to build a better product. So that's interesting
0: though. You're obviously really passionate about doing this stuff quote-unquote properly and following some of the quote-unquote proper techniques. So you know, you've mentioned Empowered. You've mentioned basically mentioned Teresa Torres's book Continuous Discovery Habits. I mean, these are obviously books that a lot of product managers and product leaders will look at as kind of desk references for how to do product quote-unquote properly. So I guess a question that follows off of that is you've chosen very much to come up with a tool that allows people to collaborate better and kind of work a lot on, you know, whatever framework they want to use because, you know, that's what they're gonna use, but at the same time giving them a way to do that more effectively. But were you ever tempted to try and tackle the cultural piece directly, like actually come up with something to Help shift the culture rather than make whatever they're currently doing more effective, or would you argue that kite maker kind of contributes to the culture shifting as well?
1: I think like the the vision we have for kite maker a bit is is that sort of with the right tools that sort of good product development becomes the default <laughs> and not sort of more factory thinking or product development. So so there's. Good tools push you in a direction that makes you better. That's what we really believe, and that's what we are building with KiteMaker. I guess how to change the culture. I'm not sure if that's a, like a SaaS tool or a good <laughs> book or whatever. Electric shocks in the seats and stuff like that. Right? <laughs> but I mean, I'm before starting KiteMaker, I was I was a product manager and a product leader and a product director. So sort of working on culture is something. We've done a lot, and I mean, it's it's really a sort of like step by process. You have to take slowly. You have to teach people. You have to sort of build trust in the organization if you're going to sort of actually be empowered and sort of people to actually trust you. Like, okay, like this guy or or this woman is actually they know more than I do, so <laughs> I I I can tell her what to do. So like. I have to let her or him do his job or do their job. And that's sort of like, I think many product managers and product leaders have been through sort of that similar process to sort of get a good, to get trust in the organization. I mean, it's start by sort of doing the right things. (laughs) And if you want to sort of focus on outcome, you have to start talking outcomes, okay, like you. You're telling me to build feature A. What do you expect to happen when you build a feature A? <laughs> Try to make it something concrete. So then you can actually come back and say, well, you told me feature future A would happen, but sort of it didn't happen. But you have a lot of research now. So we know we understand why it didn't happen, for example. So <laughs> a good example was uh, I was working in a, in, in a, in a telco at one point as a product manager and. We want to do user research because we we were building an app for Bangladesh, sort of helping people to sort of experience internet for the first time. And we want to do user research. And I was told, we don't believe in user research, (laughs) which is is, uh, (laughs) not, not a good answer. But then we used the marketing budgets and we did a lot of user research. And we use that a lot in sort of the, our communication and our product development after that. So I like there's, there's ways you can be sort of creative and sort of show the value of doing the right things. I think even, even though you are in a place where, where maybe they haven't experienced sort of a good sort of product development environment before.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. But we chatted a few weeks back and you said that companies who are great at product look different. Mm. Now, obviously, you've been speaking to a bunch of product people, you're active in the community, you're obviously pitching to prospects and talking to existing customers and doing your research, and you've worked as a product manager yourself, as you say. So you've kind of been around the block a bit in product terms and you've seen a few types of company, types of team. Yeah. So when you're looking at a company or maybe a product organization within a company, what are some of those early signs that you look at to? Tell if it's a great or not a great product company.
1: Yeah, so I, I think what I said was was that sort of good product development teams look very different. While those are not that good, look very similar. And I, I think it comes from that product development is at large an innovation process, and it's sort of messy, and it's more about the important the crucial part is building the right stuff like and, and figuring that out and while productivity is also important because you have to ship stuff you have to sort of <laughs> you have to actually deliver value as well no if you read some of the articles that you see out
0: there you just say no <laughs> to everything right <laughs>
1: yeah well you, you have to and, and and i think i think it comes from that those are not that good they usually focus more about productivity than building the right thing and that's why they look similar because they're using the same models, they're using the same sort of way of thinking and the uh, same dashboards and, and, and stuff like that. And it's more focused on like how, how many story points can you produce, like how can we be more <laughs> effective and, and stuff like that, which is lovely burn down. Yeah. And the burn down, while many often like teams that are good, when you start talking to them, you can sort of hear, okay, we are focused on sort of, figuring out the product and sort of build a good product for our customers to focus on the customers, they're focused on sort of solving things for them and sometimes they're sort of like, I don't, I don't really know what the process is because it's kind of like messy but they're sort of building a great product, they're talking to customers, they're sort of iterating and, and that's very messy and I, that's why I think they're also very different because they're sort of it depends a lot on the product you're building, it depends on who's on your team, it's Depends on manufacturers. Good teams often adjust the process. So they like they talk about the process, they talk about, and, and sort of that's maybe the most important productivity part is that actually sort of are we are we having a good process there? Are we doing good? Are we building good stuff? Like are we healthy? They sort of find their own way and, and don't rely necessarily on, on a specific framework. Very few use Scrum actually. Like uh, when it <laughs> comes to uh, Scrum, is sort of like a nice framework. it sort of it captures some sort of parts like retrospective is sort of the de- de- delivering stuff in, in 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 chunks. But like you you don't need Scrum. So like it's it's sort of capturing many aspects of product development. Uh, and it can be a very good start for for a team. But like if you do the retrospective, you'll find okay what parts are not that necessary for us what should we do in uh, in, in addition for example or, or what should we change and that's maybe more important than f- following the book oh 100%
0: i think whenever someone says to me oh if you change that that's fine but it's not scrum it's like i don't care if it's scrum you, <laughs> you know, know? <laughs> what do i care if it's scrum <laughs> yeah. all i care about is that we're delivering value to our users and making money for the company right like yep yeah, exactly If I can do that using Scrum, fantastic. If I can do that using Kanban, fantastic. If I could do that just making some framework up myself, fantastic. Who cares how you do it? Yeah. But of course, some people do care how you do it because you may have a micromanaging culture in the company. You may have leaders that don't really understand any other way or that they think it has to be done this way or maybe they've been told by a consultant that it has to be done this way. And then you've got the poor product manager sitting at the front line working in a way that they probably don't want to work. Hmm. Is this something they can change themselves, or do you think this is something that always has to start from the top?
1: I think you can change and teach, at least. So, But it's a very slow process. Yeah. And, and it's it's not necessarily a very comfortable process, either. <laughs> I think it's like, if you're passionate about the company and the team, and you really thought of, okay, this is a great place to work, but we we, we have to improve this, then try to change things. But everyone should know that there are many companies that are good at building products. There's <laughs> 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 Maybe it's not the answer you want, but sort of, if it doesn't work and if, if it's really bad, like some sometimes you, you just need to change who you work for. <laughs> so it's, it's about sort of finding those good places to work as well, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair enough. Yeah, like I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you're sitting there saying, try to change what you can, Mm -hmm. but if you can't, then you really have to. Yeah, I've always looked at like you have to assess your appetite, right? Like maybe you're actually a project manager at heart. Maybe that's actually what, yeah, maybe you enjoy that part of product management and you just like to do kind of project management with a little bit of definition on top or something like that. Like, and if that's what moves you, then I guess there are companies that need that or maybe companies that think that's just what product management is
1: i also think i think there's something about sort of learning here as well like that yeah. there, there's many managers uh, maybe maybe especially top managers are sort of not seen sort of a good product development process. Yeah, exactly. like maybe come from a word like traditional project management thinking one has to sort of teach and let them see how this works i think one company which both me and my co-founder worked at, was Shipstead, which is the the largest tech media company in Scandinavia. It's not a very well-known company, but it owns very many well-known brands in the Nordics. And they decided some years ago that, okay, we need to transform to a tech company. So they started hiring... Uh, Chief digital officer and... (laughs) They hired uh, the engineering director from Google and the higher ton of Silicon Valley people, and they hire the best tech people they can find in London and Stockholm and Oslo and Barcelona. And that sort of didn't go the way they intended at that time, <laughs> of course. But what came out of it is that it has really changed Shipstead to be like a really great place for product development. And everyone in the company sees that. And like, even the journalists sort of like, We'll say like, okay, we used to be like someone, sort of thought what they knew what we needed, and then we'll like have a project, and then we got a tool in our hands, and we sort of not be great. But now we are actually part of the project. Like they talk to us yeah. all the time. We we see like we see things before they're implemented. Sort of we have very we're very close. We're in the project team, and sort of we, we don't want to change that sort of and 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 like Shipset is building the tools the journalists write their story in because they figure that. There's no the tools are good enough in the market, so like they're building a lot of heavy technology, and they're doing a lot of data collection and doing it on ad stuff and stuff like that. So it is possible to change things, but I think like you need to show that it works and you sort of uh, prove the methodology sort of a bit incremental, maybe and and sort of what, what one of the things when I hired product managers is that sort of. And had sort of uh, managed product managers. Is that sort of said that like you should always be in sort of the an expert in the room. Like when you talk to a manager, you should know know much more about your product and your users and and the parts of the business that affect your product than anyone else. Because then no one can sort of say say against you. You you, you can sort of like, well, they can try. <laughs> they, they can try, but like so you you, can, you cannot deny facts. If customers or users saying this, and if this is the numbers, and, and if 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 you know you have done that and that happened, and you see that in the KPIs, like no one can deny that. So if you focus on sort of be be a voice for the truth, <laughs> and actually very knowledgeable about the product, it's very hard to argue against that.
0: Oh, there's hope for us all if big companies like <laughs> ships they can do it right. So yeah, some inspiration course. there. And what's next for KiteMaker? Do you have that one Jira killer feature coming out next sprint or any other goodies that we should expect in the near future? Or are you kind of just iterating on what you've got for now? Oh, there's so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, we, just give we are... us the top one. <laughs> we are an early stage company, so we are uh, so we are sort of iterating on the products. A lot of the focus we have now is that sort of we, we built the product and we want to sort of, okay, we want to first make it work for a team. And now we are sort of focusing more, okay, how the team or teams, how do they work? So a lot of our. Oh, you're putting safe in, aren't you? are putting safe support. <laughs> no, I'm not putting safe in there. I'm not putting the safe in there. But <laughs> it's, it's, our focus is now sort of, our, our customers are startups. They're teams within bigger companies. Some of these startups are growing very fast. So we are sort of. Building the tool and growing with them, and then sort of a bit of land and expand this social idea in these teams within bigger companies. So it's still an early stage product and it's sort of taking form. But we are sort of okay. We understand a lot of things of the dynamics within the team. Now we sort of okay. Well, when, when this expands, when you sort of connecting this to a to a sort of company or multiple teams, like how how does this look?
0: Sounds good. We'll
1: keep an eye out and
0: make sure that we uh, come and use it at the right time. Yeah. And where can people find you after this if they want to chat more about KiteMaker or maybe just find out a little bit more about your opinions on product management in general?
1: Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can also just email me on seagird at Kitemaker.co. All
0: right. Well, I'll make sure that's linked in and to the show notes, and hopefully you get a few interested inquirers. Yeah. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. It's obviously really interesting to hear about your startup and the tool that you're making and the efforts to improve collaboration and obviously some of your general thoughts about product management. I hope obviously, we'll stay in touch. But as for now, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I can only encourage you to pop over to onenightinproduct.com, check out some of my other fantastic guests, sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your favourite podcast app, and make sure you share it with your friends so you and they can never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night.